0: preparing, preparing, preparing. We are now live. Hello, out there, Facebook. I am Ernestine, um, Ernestine Lyons, and I'm the host of Quick to Politic. And we are kind of deviating a little bit from, you know, mostly the the local politics topics. But, you know, as I say on the show, it's it it's everything, you know, it's it's small business, it's, you know, um, politics, and it's everything that that kind of touches on what makes our society tick. So, you know, um, we're going to be talking a little bit about um, small business and investing and venture capital, um, Bitcoin, and this is going to be like the first of a series that kind of explore finance and, you know, money and business. So, um, we're just kind of going to be joined by my wonderful guest, Dave. David. Hello, David Smith. Um, he's going to be talking um, with us on some of these questions. And so tell us a little bit about yourself, David, and welcome to Quick to Politics.
1: Oh, thank you so much. A little bit about me. I'm a you know, tech nerd. I was a kid who was into programming and Dungeons and Dragons and all that stuff. thought it was super nerdy when I was a kid, and, and now that's the cool stuff. <laughs> and it worked out OK, because turns out, you know, those programming and spreadsheets, they are helpful in life.
0: Oh, for sure, for sure. And so you are into, okay, Bitcoin. So I think this is this is something that everywhere you look, there's some, you know, uh, social media influencer who's like, I can show you how to invest in Bitcoin, or, you know, you should, you know, expand your Forex portfolio. And, you know, Bitcoin to me is a bit nebulous, because in some ways, it's like you have cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin being the, the, the most you know, prevalent one, and it's the one that is, you know, you hear about that and it's synonymous with cryptocurrencies. So tell us a little bit more about Bitcoin, um, Bitcoin derivatives, and, you know, investing in cryptocurrencies.
1: I think Bitcoin is one of the, I think it's has one of the great inventions of humankind, you know, up there with like language, the invention of the wheel. And prior to Bitcoin, you know, you have this, this system that people can be excluded from, I think there's about 7.5 billion people on the planet and maybe about 700 million of them have banking services. And so there's a whole ton of people who are excluded from the banking system. And it's really hard for these people to you know, engage in commerce or, you know, if I want to do business with somebody in Thailand, you know, we have to go through banks and there's opportunities for scams and fees and all these kind of things. And what Bitcoin does is it just like the internet where it levels the playing field and everybody's on the same playing by the same rules. It doesn't matter if you're if you're a billionaire like Warren Buffett or, you know, if you're somebody like us where we're not billionaires. I don't think you are. Are you?
0: <laughs> not yet.
1: Not yet. Someday. So it's the same rules for everybody. And I just I just love that kind of stuff where people have the same rules. There aren't these power structures. We have to ask people to do things. And just like the Internet. I mean, you know, it's amazing now that you can go on and broadcast on Facebook and there could be a million people watching. Whereas, you know, 60 years ago. that that was impossible. You'd have to go and construct your own radio station or, you know, beg somebody to put you on a show, but now you're in control. And Bitcoin is doing that same thing to the financial system and empowering people. And so that's what I got really excited about seven, seven, nine years ago, first about Bitcoin nine years ago, Uh, unfortunately did not invest. It was about $5 a coin. Uh, But I did did, uh, invest in 2013. And I've just been a a big fan ever since for seven years. Uh, There's just amazing people in the space. And I think they're really building tools that are going to empower billions of people around the planet.
0: So you actually shed a lot of light on, you know, something that to me, it's like, okay, well, how does it work? What what do you do you actually go to the store and you use these currencies or is it something, you know, a little bit more close to, you know, just trading, investing, and it's it's something that you have for, you know, just future purposes. And, you know, or is this the future of not having to use things like credit cards and having, it, having the option to protect yourself from fraud or, you know, having, you know, just like when Target a couple of years back had that big giant hacking issue where they got into people's accounts. And, you know, is this some sort of, you know, just the future of how we interact with currency?
1: Yeah, I think it is the future. And I, th- I think today it's not it's not very useful. It's like, uh, you know, everybody today has a computer. I think I've got four or five computers here in my apartment. And that was unimaginable, you know, 40 years ago. And the computers were really hard for anybody to use. You know, there were these you know, you type in commands and kind of do programming to make these things work. But, you know, people worked on it and worked on it and worked on it. You know, Steve Wozniak, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates and brought it so everybody could use computers. And that same thing is happening in the cryptocurrency space. Every day, you know, there's, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of people, who knows? Making cryptocurrencies a little bit easier, a little bit more useful every day. But today they're they're not they're not particularly useful. There's so much knowledge that you have to have to use these things that you know, like that example I gave, if you want to do business with somebody overseas, you know, you've got to worry about, you know, security and, and technical details and all of that. And so I don't I don't think we're there yet. I envision a future, just like email. You know, if you send an email today, you're using all kinds of internet protocols and simple mail transfer protocols, but people don't need to worry about that. And someday cryptocurrencies will be like that too, where you just log into your bank account or who knows what, and you just say, you know, send money to, to Thailand or Zimbabwe or whatever. And it just goes and maybe uses Bitcoin or Ethereum under the covers. You don't need to worry about how that works. But But today, unfortunately, there are not, fantastic use cases. I can't go to your Ernestine and say, oh my gosh, you know, you've got to use it because it'll let you do this thing that you cannot do today. And and we're also special here in the US where we have the best financial system in the world. Um, You know, we have low inflation rates, we have pretty good access to banking. And and so it's a lot different in some of these other countries uh, where they might find it more useful, more quickly. But today I think it's primarily uh, for people like me who want to speculate and say this thing is coming and and they and they want to get in early and benefit if you know this is the future which every day it seems more and more that that's the way it's heading.
0: Thank you. Thanks for that insight. And I love that even behind you, you have like a Bitcoin portrait, um, you know, along with a portrait of your son. And uh, I'm I'm loving that. And so, you know, that's something that you know, um, just even having conversations with. <laughs> oh I my mean, gosh! It's,
1: it's and it's this is the currency you know, is dying. This is the euro dying, and the yen dying, and the dollar dying, and uh, uh,
0: the pound. Pound.
1: Pound. Nice. Pound
0: sterling right so so and it actually you know that's that's an interesting thing too because you know in some way you know if you wanted to communicate with people from around the world you would have to send letters and you know you use this email analogy um you know just kind of talking about how this is the future of you know just that was the future of communicating that was the future of instantaneous interactions um and then you know even with your your Portrait there, you know, you're looking at different currencies, and you have to worry about, um, well, this currency, you know, there, the exchange is going to be different, and you're going to end up losing money. And you know, whenever I, you know, when I was in China, I I went there with, you know, maybe 100 US dollars, and I'm like, oh, I'm rich. Or in Thailand, where you know, the the dollars to baht and that exchange, you know, it was just like I could live like a king on like, you know, eighty dollars. And you know, it it's it's something that I think it will also take that away where you know you're you're working with the same currency across the board and there's no need to worry about you know just exchanges and you know what value who's who's going to have the strongest currency. So this actually it it actually brings up another question about like the future of you know international trade and you know do you think that this is going to be something that you know just completely I don't know, because if one country has, you know, for example, right now, the United States, the dollar is strong and, you know, in the past it was the pound. And, you know, so it's just like you you value a country's, you know, GDP and, you know, just just net net worth based on that currency and how strong that 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 monetary unit is. Will that change the way that, you know, economies and countries value like who's in control? Who is, you know? Because people were really afraid when China became, you know, just like this this economy that was super powerful. And I was living there at that time when they surpassed Japan. Um, and so, you know, just like, what do you think this will do to, you know, just kind of world standing as far as, you know, countries and, you know, the the international economy?
1: I think it'll. I think it'll level the playing field. Like the internet's done. And I think it'll give power to, to the people and take it away from governments and corporations. And I think there'll be pushback from that. I think that some governments will outlaw Bitcoin. Maybe the US will outlaw Bitcoin. Um, because it you know it will you know take away power from the governments and give it to individuals. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. I, I like people having the power instead of these you know big organizations. Uh, I think they they misuse the power often, and I don't like the idea of people having to ask for permission to do things. I like it when people can just, you know, just do it.
0: Right, right. And I think that's something that technology is also doing a lot of, you know, um, you know, just tech companies in general, they're going to be more socially conscious, they're going to be, you know, more apt at innovating and just doing things and now you see a lot of the rise of corporate social responsibility where big companies want to do good by people and I know it's debatable when you talk about people like Jeff Bezos who you love um and you know um oh no and Elon Musk I know he's your favorite too people are just like wow my gosh these guys are evil but it's just like look at how much they actually are doing compared to say you know the captains of industry and the robber barons of you know centuries before like JP Morgan and, you know, Andrew Carnegie, it took them into the end of their lives to actually do good. But you see people like, you know, Bill Gates and Steve Jobs trying to do good, you know, in, in real time, you know, because technology is actually making things better for people. And they're recognizing, you know, where they can come in and fill a void that, you know, governments are not necessarily even able to do. So yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's it's something that It's definitely going to be a different world, you know, for the generations to come. Um, And in terms of, you know, the ease of being able to do things and the way that corporations are now conscious on, you know, how they want to step up and be there um, to fill the void that, you know, governments are not necessarily even willing to do.
1: I I think a lot of people feel like corporations, you know, control or pull strings, but but I think this corporate responsibility, I, I don't think that's coming... I don't think you know Steve Jobs or anybody sat around in a boardroom and was like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna do responsibility." I mean, there are definitely CEOs who have that, but I think on the whole, it was really the people, you know, saying, "Hey, we're voting with our dollars, and if you're not responsible, we're not gonna buy your product." And I think that's one of the amazing things about the free market is, you know, Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk. If if everybody in the U.S. stopped buying Amazon tomorrow, he has to listen. You know, he's like he's like a slave to, you know, the American people to his customers. And, and he has no, no power without, without his, his customers. And uh, so I, I really like that aspect of it. And you know, he does well by doing well for his customers, I think.
0: That's true. That's true. And, you know, it's, it's funny because um I was a guest on a podcast, the We Outside podcast, and it was Hot Girl Sustainability was the, the, the <laughs> name of the that episode. And we talked about Ford in particular, how, you know, every Ford commercial you see, they're, they're focused on like, you know, we're saving the planet, we're doing good by the planet, we're are, you know, lessening our carbon emissions. And, you know, we're trying to do good things. And, you know, this is, I feel like in some ways they're getting ahead of, you know, consumer demand, but they're also recognizing it's like, no, people are going to want these car companies to do better. And, you know, I think they're kind of capitalizing on that and wanting to, you know, just, just do better by, you know, having cars that are, you know, just doing so much more for people. And, you know, that's, that's actually, that's a pretty good thing. But shifting gears here, um, I know that you are interested in investing in companies. And, you know, you, you keep your eye out for like, the ones that are going to be, you know, you you use this term, Decacorn. So it's, it's a company for a, you know, and, if, and for some reason, the term unicorn has become a financial term as well. So you've got these companies that are so special, so unique that they are going to be, you know, the next big thing. They're the next Twitter, they're the next Yahoo, they're the next Google. And, you know, um, so you talk about the decacorns and they are, you know, companies that are valued over 10 billion. Um, so, and then there's startups that are Sunicorns. So that means they're they're soon going to be this, this, you know, hot thing for angel investors and venture capitalists to to jump on. So let's talk a little bit more about this and how companies that, you know, I work a lot with small businesses with Build Institute and, you know, I'm an entrepreneur myself. So uh, how do companies and get to this and, you know, what is what, where are all these terms coming from and why are they, you know, just why is this something that in the in the 21st century we're seeing more of?
1: I, I, well, so I think I think one, I think why we have these terms is because otherwise this stuff is so boring. You know, it's so boring to look at spreadsheets and numbers, but if you put cool names with it and unicorns and people think unicorns and rainbows, that sounds happy and, and fun. So uh, you know, I think people like to spice it up. I've noticed in the financial space too, there's a lot of basketball and sp- baseball analogies probably from a bunch of nerds who have never <laughs> played these things but, uh, but I think it makes it more, more fun. So, you know, maybe that's something with the terminology.
0: Okay. Okay. And so uh,
1: as to why, why that there are maybe more now, and my, I think my experience is a lot in the tech in the tech and the software uh, world. And, you know, I think it's really amazing now where, you know, maybe 50 years ago, if you wanted to build a, a company and you want to build a car company or something, you had to you know get a factory and you know a whole a whole big investment. And even in the in the 2000s or, in the, or maybe in the 1990s, if you wanted to build a software company, you needed to buy millions of dollars of servers or who knows what to stand up a, a Yahoo or a Google. But today, you can just you know get a laptop for you know a few hundred dollars or a thousand dollars or something, and you and a couple of buddies can build a company that can end up being worth you know billion dollars i think whatsapp when it sold to facebook i think it was a billion maybe 20 billion i can't remember the exact number Uh, but i think they were like 50 people and i think uh, instagram too was similar maybe they were like five people when they sold to facebook for a billion dollars and it's really amazing the the scale that people can get to you know using the internet and distribution the power of code to build these massive companies in a relatively short time frame, you know, seven to ten years, and you know, go from you know zero dollars in, in valuation to you know a billion or or ten billion dollars. Uh, I think in Uber's case, what I think they started in 2009, maybe it's like 11 years later, they're uh, or they're worth now 60 billion, probably something like that.
0: Right, right. And, it, and it's just like, um, a lot easier to be able to make, you know, that that jump from I have an idea. And I also have a MacBook. So I'm going to, you know, sit here and design a logo myself, whereas before, say, if you were starting this company in 1991, you know, you'd have to go and find some person who, you know, pull out the yellow pages. And it's like, okay, I need a logo. But then I also need to, you know, get out there and market it and I have to go find people to, you know, and it's just it's easier because you can do all these things yourself on Canva. You can do all of these things, you know, just just using, you know, Photoshop and you know, you can take classes to understand, you know, what the marketing is gonna need, what kind of marketing is gonna be, you know, something you you have to push for or okay, no, I swear this <laughs> dog, she only makes noise when she knows I'm occupied with something. She so, wants me um, to clean exactly exactly um but it's 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 really easy and it's accessible and you can sit there and you can put your business plan together you can you know reach out to investors and you don't have to be this person who you know oh well i only have this that way and you know so therefore it's just accessibility and i think that's technology has really made it easy you can set up your own website you can you know coding is is you know, a lot easier now. And you know, a lot more folks are learning programming and they're learning um design. And you know, so so it's just something that everybody has the capability to do. And then even with YouTube, if you don't know how to u- do it, then you're gonna learn how to do it a lot faster as opposed to like, oh, I should go get a business degree if I want to start a business. It's like it's eh, not necessary. You can go take a build class. And you know, that way you'll just be be more primed for just knowing exactly what you need to do.
1: Ernestine, yeah, I think, I think you're on something there too. Yeah, the, the accessibility of information, you know, 1991, I don't know if you went to the library or something to figure out how to do a startup, but, you know, today there, there's podcasts and YouTube videos and all kinds of online classes and books and all kinds of things to help, you know, here's the, here's the steps, here's how to do it.
0: Exactly, exactly. And so, um, it, it's just kind of, easier to get yourself to that point and you know even meeting people you know you have things like LinkedIn and you know having opportunities to just like uh, you know reach out to somebody and ask them like hey can I pick your brain and you know I know that you are an investor and I actually had somebody who tell, uh, who worked with Quick Loans and told me like hey you know I love your business idea your business model I would be willing to invest in your company and I'm like oh I'm not there yet but <laughs> at the same time you know it's it's just like okay well you can reach out to people and you know I think even when it comes to just like investing in small business period and starting a business it's 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 definitely that time. Um, and so, you know, those are those are a lot of the questions that I had um, around. So. What do you think the future of, you know, just investing in small businesses will be, um, especially given that we had the pandemic and it kind of threw new barriers as far as, you know, do you think the tech industry is gonna be impacted the way that my favorite type of business, which are like mom and pops and, you know, folks who maybe didn't necessarily have a web presence and, you know, it was only, you know, recommendations and foot traffic. And so, so now like, Uh, how do you see that world maybe being the focus of a lot more um, investment, venture capital and folks who want to put nurture and pour into them? Because I think historically, you know, you got these tech companies and people want to invest in them because they're going to have this huge turnaround, this huge profit. And they're going to be, you know, something that folks are going to go for, as opposed to, you know, the little restaurant down the street, who, what, who really is going to, pour all that much attention into that. And so do you think that maybe the humanity that we've learned in 2020, because of the pandemic, is going to contribute to maybe us shifting our focus, you know, from profit, and I'm going to get rich from this company, you know, but, you know, let's, let's help out this company over here, because I think they really need it.
1: I think that entrepreneurs are getting more, more power as time goes on. I I think there's, more and more capital in the world, and and so then, so then they, I think it gives more power to the entrepreneurs, um, like a supply and demand thing. If there's if you know if there's more capital available, then and the, the same number of companies competing for that capital, uh, the more and more capital that's available, then the better terms and the more power that the entrepreneurs are in position for. And I think there's amazing things happening with companies like Stripe. Where they're using data, you know, to look at the small businesses and just say, like, oh, hey, well, we know you're doing, you know, ten thousand a month in revenue, so we feel comfortable extending credit to you, you know, at some kind of favorable terms. Whereas before, you know, that might have been a hard process for an entrepreneur to go to the bank and to, you know, go through their processes and then get denied or, you know, get a bad interest rate. But you know, I think that companies like Stripe, I think um, angel investing is a new field. I think it's been around since maybe 1970, I was just capital.
0: about to ask, like, how new? Because this is something that, you know, you, you, you hear about just, oh, people like capitalists who just pour money into J.P. Morgan's ventures. And, you know, those have been a certain type of people. But, you know, venture capital, it's, I think it's more normal people can invest in things.
1: There, there's some of that loosening up. Um, Obama passed. During Obama's administration, there was a, uh, some crowdfunding regulations that were passed where, where yeah, people can, you know, invest in startups. And that's changing, too. I think the SEC, um, I think in like 1930 something or other, they passed laws that said, you know, only rich people can invest in risky businesses. And so I think that put a damper on on capital. But, you know, I think a lot of people are saying, well, why can I go to Vegas and lose all my money you home, know, lose my house? But I can't invest in, you know, my friend's business or, you know, the next Facebook or something like that. And I think the governments heard that, and I think they're working on changing that. So I think that'll bring more capital into the market. And uh, you know, some of the big companies like JPMorgan Chase and Fidelity, you know, they've seen the success in the in the startup um, investing, and, and so they've been putting capital there. So there's really been a lot of, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I guess I'm not super familiar with the history, but it seems like from my vantage point that there's more and more capital, you know, coming into the system as people see, you know, good returns there and I think that benefits the entrepreneurs but I'll I'll say something controversial so you asked about you know do I think I think in our lifetimes I think people aren't going to work I think computers with AI are going to be better at doing all the jobs that people do today and in the future Uh, just like It doesn't make sense now for a human to to play chess if they want to be competitive. It makes sense to have a computer do it or go. And every year there's more and more things that it doesn't make sense for people to do anymore because computers are just better at it. And I think in our lifetimes that it'll just make sense for computers to do all the work and for people to not do any work. So that's that's my controversial thing out there.
0: Well, you know what, you, you you are right. And I think that kind of makes the need for, you know, just kind of having a diversification of the types of jobs and like the job that this is why it's something like I was reading an article about how you don't want to ask little kids, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? Because the jobs that they may dream of now may not exist in the future. And we also have to be able to pivot on a dime to recognize that, you know, this isn't going to be an industry anymore. And, you know, this may be replaced, and it can be mechanized, it can be outsourced, it can be something that, you know, why are we doing it this way, you know, and and to, to be able to innovate, you know, in a moment's notice and I think that's something that technology is giving us. Um, and, do you think we're going to have like a dystopian future where it's going to be like 1984, and, you know, the machines were going to be our overlords and. Um, it it'll just be something where like it's kind of scary because there's going to be a special set of folks who have the skill to be able to, you know, just just operate in this world whereas, you know, if we're not evolving and we're not keeping up with it, then everything that we do because we, you know, are not necessarily adapting to this evolution, we become stagnant and we become outmoded and then we are left in the dust because we're not keeping up with the things that are changing so quickly
1: i i hope not i'm I'm almost an optimist so i i think technology will bring good to humanity um we know we'll, we'll we'll see it'll be interesting you know how powerful an individual person can be and the destruction that they can you know wreak uh, you know, like how we dropped an atomic bomb on, uh, or two atomic bombs on Japan, uh, 60 years ago. And, and, and like, that's amazing. You know, that, that destructive Almost force didn't exist. What's that?
0: Almost 80 years ago now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, that destructive force didn't, oh yeah, my math is off. Uh, that destructive force didn't exist, you know, a hundred years ago, but now, you know, one, one plane with one bomb, you know, could do that kind of damage. And when we talk about, you know, people getting even more powerful, you know, all it just takes is, you know, maybe Rome one
0: strikes now. So, one. you know, you don't even have to have a driver anymore.
1: <laughs> but, but I think it'll be good. You know, I, th- I think, I think it'll be good for humanity. And, uh, and I think it'll provide, you know, great things, energy abundance, you know, food abundance. You know, there's people in the world right now who don't have clean water. Uh, you know, there's people who don't have access to food and, and, and there's such a, a, you know, disparity. I think you've traveled around the world, you, you know, just being born in America, we have, you know, such a I don't know, you know, warped, different, higher sense of a standard of living than than a lot of, you know, few billion people on the planet. And uh, I want to see that more more equal where, you know, it doesn't matter so much.
0: Right. Right. And I think, you know, it's more, you know, I don't know, we, we're living in a very consumer conscious kind of world where in the US we do have that standard of living where it's just like, oh, you need to have a disposable cup for everything, whereas in developing nations they're gonna use the same jug over and over again. And and it's if anything, really they're they're living the same way that, you know, generations of people have lived, which is actually better for, you know, the environment is better for your bottom line, is better for, you know, the planet um, and it's better for people around you. But I think it's really um, to your point that it's gonna take wealthy industrialized nations to kind of, you know, realize that, hmm, okay, we don't need to have all those things, all of those creature comforts, you know, we can definitely get by without them and, you know maybe live a little bit more like people in the 1930s lived where it's just simplicity and i think that's something that you know we're getting back to and we want to aspire to to try to you know get back to or at least i don't know maybe it's just me and my my very eccentric world view um on just just not necessarily wanting to have all of this capitalism um and the the craziness that that comes with it where you just like spend 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 consume planned obsolescence everywhere buy a new one upgrade update and so um yeah but that it's it's definitely an interesting uh conversation but thank you so much for exploring these topics uh related to technology and investing and bitcoin and cryptocurrencies so um It's been really great talking with you, David. Thank you so much for coming on. Let the folks out there know where they can find you um, and, you know, just hear more from you and all that fun jazz.
1: Well, thank you. I'm on Twitter at David Silva Smith. Awesome. Awesome.
0: All right. Okay. Well, thank you out there, everybody, for tuning in and have a great one. This has been Quick to Politic and...